For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Murph's Boston Sports Talk. This is episode number 174, and I am super excited for today's episode, as today is the last episode ever of 2022. Did I catch you there? I I don't think I did, but in case I did, I got you. Anyways, this is the last episode of 2022, and not once when I was... Not once, like, during the whole, like, oh, you know, we're in December, we're in winter, enjoy Christmas. Not once did I think that it was the last episode of 2022. I don't know how I didn't get there, but I didn't get there. But here we are. Last episode of 2022. Hopefully you have a great new year. Hopefully you had a great Christmas or holiday if you don't celebrate Christmas. But I know I did. I enjoyed my time off. That is without a doubt. I'm super excited to be back here, though. I'm very excited to dive into today's topics. Um, and I, that just baffles me that, you know, I, I look at my, my calendar and I'm like, okay, the 23rd, Christmas is the day after the 30th. Okay, that's episode 174. Okay, okay. And not once after that did I <laughs> did I ever think that it was uh, the last episode of 2022. But here we are, very exciting to be back here at the studio for another episode of Merce Boston Sports Talk. Again, welcome to episode number 174. Thank you so much for joining me. Make sure you download, listen, and enjoy Merce Boston Sports Talk on all audio-only platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon. Wherever you can find your podcast, you can find Merce Boston Sports Talk without a doubt. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, thank you so much for clicking on the video. Please make sure you smash the thumbs up button, comment down below, and of course, subscribe to the channel. All right. So before we talk about Patriots and football and this and that, I do kind of want to talk a little bit of Celtics basketball. And of course, once the season's over, uh, the football season, we're going to be diving more into the Bruins and Celtics. But I want to talk about Rob Williams first because his first game was what, like a week ago, two weeks ago, maybe. And he's been playing very well in his limited time. He's coming off the bench and he's doing very, very well. There's an article from yesterday, nope, the 28th. Um, this was published by MassLive.com and written by Brian Robb. And it's titled, Robert Williams Thriving in Surprise Bench Roll with Celtics, a Mid-Team's Stellar Start. Now, of course, they, they had the great stars, like 23 and 4 or whatever. A small slide, but it looks like they may be back on track after they beat the, the Milwaukee Bucks on Christmas. They beat somebody else too and then I know they just beat the Clippers last night oh the Rockets duh all right let's get into the article 
The Celtics took their time bringing back Robert Williams into the lineup after off-season surgery. The patience is starting to pay plenty of dividends on the court as the big man rounds into form. The fourth-year center played his best game of the year on Tuesday night in a runaway 126-102 win over the Houston Rockets, posting a season-high in points 11 and rebounds 15 in his fifth game back on the court this year following off-season knee surgery. Williams rounding back into form has been a welcome sign for a Boston offense that was in a slump initially during his return, but Williams has done his best in a reserve role to fit into a more up-tempo system. Quote, This offense is a lot quicker, a lot more freedom, Williams said. Quote, They lay the baseline down and tell us they want us to be able to play. It's just you got to find a way to come back in, help the team kind of over into what they're doing. The assumption by many was that Williams would be reinserted into Celtics starting five after the success that the group had last year. Joe Mazzulla cautioned before Tuesday's game that might not be necessarily be the plan. Quote, um, are we going to do that? Mazzulla said of the starting question. Quote, I just think it depends on what's best for our team at that time. What is best for him? We've fluctuated the starting lineup a little bit throughout the year, which I think has given us some flexibility. What we found consistency in what we have now. It's just a matter of, if it makes sense, we'll do it. If it doesn't, we won't. End quote. Uh, Okay, we're almost done. I didn't read this article beforehand. I just kind of skimmed it a little bit. Um, Williams was on the board with the possibility after the game of remaining with the second unit. Quote, if we're winning, if we win, whatever it takes, however we got to do it, Williams said. The Athletic Center acknowledged that Missoula spoke to him about coming off the bench before his return amid Boston's hot start to the year. Quote, he talked to me about it before I came back, which was expected, Williams said. Quote, I'm a team player. If we're rolling with something, I feel like we're supposed to keep rolling with it. End quote. With parts of Boston's second unit struggling in recent weeks and keeping Al Horford's minutes down looking like a priority, keeping 48 minutes at center between Horford and Williams, Maybe a promising path for Boston this year. For now, Williams is just focusing on fitting in as well as he did on Tuesday night. And that is oh, one more quote. Quote, just doing the natural stuff that I do, Williams said of his role. That, quote, they're telling me to get out, roll quick, create shots for other people. End quote. I mean, this is a really good article because the Celtics, you could arguably say eight, nine guys could be in a starting lineup. Not just for the Celtics, but for other teams across the the association. And I really do feel like Rob Williams is a player that on any other team, he's probably the starter. I mean, I can't really think of a team that wouldn't have Rob Williams as their starting center, to be honest. But when I was driving in, driving into the shop today, or driving to the shop today, I should say, I was listening to the radio, and they were talking about Rob Williams coming off the bench and the success. And to be honest, that kind of prompted my idea of talking about that today and they were saying yeah being a starting player on an NBA team is I don't want to say a bragging right but it's like a call to fame right especially as good as a team as the Celtics are championship contender possibly a championship favorite team it's something that people want to kind of you know say off say with their chest right like I'm a starting uh, player for the Celtics yeah I'm the starting center like, you know, have a little bit of, like, confidence, a little swagger, maybe some cockiness, too. However, being a starter on an NBA team is great. 
and this is what they were start, starting to say on the radio is it's more important to be a finishing five player than it is a starting five player. Like when the game is down to the wire, why are you out there trying to help seal a win? How are you out there to try to stop the other team being a finishing five? You know, Marcus Smart for a while was a sixth man. He was coming off the bench, but he was always out there at the end of the game. Why? Because he played exceptional defense. That was just a fact. And Rob Williams, as he, you know, gets his feet under him and maybe the minutes start to ramp up, he's going, regardless if he's starting or not, he'll be out there towards the end of the game. That is without a doubt. But no one talks about the finishing five. Like, especially at, like, the younger levels, like, high school and AAU and middle school, like, you want to be a starter. Like I said, that's like a claim to fame. Like, oh, you're a, you're one of the five best players. You're a starter. But, no, it's the finishing five that matters the most. Anyone can start. You could chug and plug anybody in there. Look at the Miami Heat last year having friggin' bums in the Eastern Conference Finals being starters. But what matters is those that are finishing the game because as important as the first five minutes are and the first, you know, ten minutes are of a game, the last five minutes, the last ten minutes are are also important, if not way more important. You could have the worst guy on your team start, get him a couple minutes, get him, you know, some runs in. But when that game is down to the wire and it's a three-point game either way, you want your absolute best five. And oftentimes, your starting five is your finishing five. Sometimes that's not the case. you got to feel the flow of the game. you got to see if this is actually the best unit to close out the game with, your starters. Foul trouble could be a thing. A player in a cold streak could be a thing. Sometimes players just have an off night. Maybe one player is just going absolutely berserk and crazy, playing great defense, dropping 20, 25 points. And you have to keep them on the floor. That is a real possibility. That is an actual thing. So I liked how they were talking about like being a finishing five, how that needs to get recognized more, not just in the NBA, of course, but at all levels too. And I, I really like that, and I, I do strongly believe with that. I never thought of it like that at any point in time, especially when I was coaching. I didn't really think about it. And yeah, I used to coach basketball. I used to coach baseball too. Honestly, I prefer basketball just because it's more inclusive as a coach than baseball is but with basketball it's just so many different variables going on and not once did you think the finishing five right you oftentimes think of like oh your best five put them out there but you don't deliberately think finishing five as much as you do starting five so it's just something to munch on really as we see rob williams you know keep progressing and getting back to his old self and he does look very good out there he looks like He's lost a few pounds. He looks athletic. He's grabbing rebounds, blocking shots. You can clearly see that teams are adjusting immensely to the Celtics when they didn't have Rob Williams the first third of the season to now where they do have him for the past five games. They're a completely different team. They're a good team without Rob Williams. They're a great team with Rob Williams, and that is paying dividends as you see against the Bucks and the Rockets and the Clippers last night and these wins that they've able to string together. He is making a significant impact, and of course he made an impact in his return against the Orlando Magic. Was it a week ago today, I think it was, or two weeks ago? I'm not sure when it was. 
But the big thing that I want to take away here and the big thing I really want to talk about is don't rush him back. Don't rush him back. There's no need. You're in a good spot right now. You're a hot team in the league. You've built this great lead. Now, granted, the Bucks, you know, kind of shrunk that lead in the East. But why rush him back? We don't want to be sitting here as Celtics fans hoping and praying that Rob Williams doesn't get hurt again. You know, every time he goes up for a rebound, every time he goes up for a block or pivots or anything or is in traffic, we're all hoping and praying that he doesn't get injured. Well, however, you know, limit his minutes while, while you can. You know, if you were in a pennant race right now or, you know, yeah, I guess you can call it a pennant race, sure, the cross-sports term. You know, if you were fighting for a playoff spot right now, I would kind of understand rushing him back, but you have the luxury to not have to rush him back. I don't care how many minutes he plays in December, now going into January. I care about how many minutes he's playing in April, in May, in June for the finals. That's what's most important here. And if he's coming off the bench and getting 20 minutes, 25 minutes a night, up until the playoffs, fine by me. And it's clearly okay with him to be patient with his return, to be patient with his role, especially with how good the team is doing right now. So that is going to be my Celtics, man. It feels like forever since I've had one. Uh, Very refreshing to kind of get that off my chest. We all love Rob Williams. We all want him to do well. And, of course, he is an integral part to this team. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. Rob Williams, you know, is a true game changer. He really is. And as good as the Celtics were without him, I think they're going to be just that much better with him. And I think it shows. So let's change over now and talk about football. The NFL. Boy, do we have uh, some interesting, interesting developments here in the NFL. So since we last spoke, we now have the Jaguars leading the AFC South. We have the Chargers clinching a playoff spot. Did I miss anything else? Um, Buccaneers are still struggling, but they're still there for now. They control their fate. Uh, the Patriots, technically, technically still you know, have a fighting shot at a playoff spot. They, they do, believe it or not. Uh, it is definitely wild to, to think that, but it's true. Now, teams in the AFC, at least, that have clinched a spot is the Chiefs, the the Bills, the Bengals, the Ravens, and, of course, the Chargers. Two spots are still up for grabs. One is for the AFC South division winner, so that's either going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Tennessee Titans, who lost last night on Thursday Night Football. Tough, tough L. But, hey, maybe Week 18 will pay dividends when they play each other. Who knows? But the last spot in the AFC, the seventh seed, currently is owned by the Miami Dolphins. Who will be without Tua Tonga Viola this weekend? And the Patriots, who are the eighth seed. Jets are the ninth seed, but the Patriots hold the tiebreaker. And then you talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have kind of made a comeback there. I think they were like three and eight at one point. Three and seven. Well, right now they're seven and eight. And they're the same record as you. They still have a shot. They still have a chance to get in. Just as much as you do. 
except you do own the tiebreaker since you beat them earlier in the season, so that is all good news. Patriots right now are in an okay spot. They are. It could be significantly worse. And let's say they do win. They do vault up to that seventh spot. Well, they ain't going to clinch anything. They're going to have to go to Buffalo and win. And I tried to tell you guys this. I tried to tell you guys. There's no way they were going to win three of the last five games. They weren't. They weren't going to beat Buffalo. I'm sorry. Yeah, they weren't going to beat Buffalo. I need to look at the calendar, the, the schedule, because I'm, I'm going to get this all out of, out of shape. Um, let's see. Hold on. Uh, but, yeah, they weren't going to beat Buffalo. They weren't going to. Uh, I kind of hoped that they would have beat Carolina and the uh, Carolina Cardinals, and they did. So there's one f- for two. Kind of needed to beat the Raiders there. If you beat the Raiders, life would have been way easier in your given situation. You lost. You lost to the Bengals. You need to win one of these last two games. Honestly, you probably have to win them both. You're going to have to win them both. I would like to think that the Dolphins can win one of the next two games. The Jets might be able to win one of the next two games. The Steelers might be able to win one of the next two games, which you have the tiebreaker over both the Jets and the Steelers right now. And let's not keep in mind, although they're not leading the AFC South, the Titans are still in the mix at 7-9. and nine. They can win the next two games. Jacksonville could, you know, maybe split the next two games. Who knows? There's a lot to be determined here with all these 7-8 and eight teams. And I guess now the Titans are 7-9 and nine since they lost last night. There is still a lot to be decided. But honestly, as much as the Dolphins control their own fate, if they win, you know, they'll have essentially two games on the Patriots. That'll kind of wrap that up. Then again, who knows about the Jets if they can beat Seattle? Who knows about the Steelers if they can beat Baltimore? I don't know if there's any tiebreakers with the Jets and the, the, the Steelers or the Dolphins and the Jets. I just don't know those tiebreakers off the top of my head. But the AFC has gotten very interesting as of late. It really has. Teams that I didn't think would have a shot, like the Jaguars, do, albeit through the division. Patriots are still alive, as crappy as they've been playing. The Jets, who are more than likely going to move on from Zach Whistling, which, oh, by the way, I want to talk about. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I want to talk about Zach Wilson. I thought about this the other day. I was like Tuesday or Wednesday. I was like, oh, I can't wait to talk about Zach Wilson. Now, remember, the podcast was still young and it was still in its early inception. We had the 2021 NFL Draft live stream here on, it was the YouTube channel, Murph's Boston Sports Talk at the time, now Murph's Cartown Sports Shop. And you can still watch that. It was a great live stream. Yeah. And of course, I did my mock drafts. I don't know what the mock draft looked like back then. But your quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, and Zach Wilson. 
I was very high on Mac Jones. I was very high on Justin Fields. A lot of people were extremely high on Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, I did like Trevor Lawrence, but people were just insanely high on him. And then there was the question marks. Trey Lance with all the potential and upside in the world. Zach Wilson with all the potential in the world. And I'm not going to talk about the Trey Lance thing because I've, I've beaten that horse. But where could you have seen Zach Wilson on film look like a number two overall pick in the draft? And if you go number two, there's an argument you could go number one as well. It's just the other guy is a lot better, right? You know, if a guy goes number two and there's just a generational talent in front of them, it's kind of hard to go number one. But if you're number two, you could still make a case that you could be number one. You know, if that same team had the first overall pick and that generational talent wasn't there, they're probably still going to take you at number one. But neither here nor there. I tried to tell you guys, who did Zach Wilson play? At BYU, an independent school, you guys know how I feel about that. You know, Notre Dame, BYU, you know, Ian Book's garbage. You know, he played it. He looked good at Notre Dame, but he's garbage now. Zach Wilson, I tried to sit here and say, who did he play? That makes him look so good. Where is it? Because he's not playing the ACC. He's not playing the SEC. Playing against these top 10 teams. These top 5 teams. Going to the national championship. In tight, tough, competitive games. Like Trevor Lawrence. He was seasoned. I think Tua. He was seasoned. Mac Jones was seasoned. Justin Fields was even seasoned as well. Where... Did Zach Wilson look like the number two overall pick? Now, I'm not saying Mac Jones should have been taken over him. I do think Justin Fields should have been taken over him because you guys know how high I am on Justin Fields. But, wow, does this look like a bad pick for the Jets? And I hate to say it, and I'm not going to be the one to be like, oh, I was right, I was right, I was right. But that's what it certainly looks like. It certainly looks like I was right about Zach Wilson. As the Jets might move on from him, they're benching him. They're replacing him mid-game. I mean, should they move on from him this offseason? I mean, what are you going to get for him? A third-round pick, maybe, if you're lucky? Might as well keep him another season and just have him be back up and hope that he can figure it out over the course of the offseason. But I hate to tell you guys that I called this. I really did. And listen, I want I don't want no player to suck. I don't want no player to not do good. But, oh, my God, did I hear so much about Zach Wilson. Oh, Zach Wilson looks good. Zach Wilson's the number two overall pick. He's a top five pick. Oh, he's going to be a game changer with the Jets and Sala and, and Brees Hall and all the moves that they've made. Look at them. They're 5-2 and two right now. They're headed for the playoffs. They're better than the Patriots. But how's that working? How's that working? out? Listen, the situation in New England with Mac Jones ain't that much better. I will be honest. I'm going to be honest. Not much better. But the situation in New York with Zach Wilson is not an ideal situation to be in, in all honesty. And I I wish some people just listened to me. I would, Listen, everyone has their own thoughts and opinions about this or about that in sports. And just about anything, really. You know, whether it's um, politics, whether it's about this or that. I don't even know. Whatever. History, you know, evolution, whatever. But sometimes people should just listen to Murph. I know what I'm talking about. Listen, I'm not right all the time. But I like to think that I'm right a lot. 
<laughs> I, I hope that doesn't sound conceited, but you know, if I own a sports card shop, I have a podcast, you know, I'm talking about sports, I'm immersed with sports every day. I'd like to think that I know what I'm talking about, or at least have to handle my own. However, I just kind of went on a tangent. Anyways, let's talk about the Patriots and Dolphins game. That's, I think that's what more people care about. So I've already laid the groundwork that the Patriots need to win. The Patriots need to win out, pretty much. Looking at the AFC standings, if they lose to Miami, forget about it. Forget about it. Because they'll be out. They'll, the Dolphins will be 9-7. and seven. Patriots will be 7-9. and nine. Good luck. It's not going to happen. Now, the Jets, Steelers, you know, that's a different story. They could both win. Again, I don't know tiebreakers. But right now, I don't care about them. Because currently, the Patriots hold the tiebreaker over the Jets. They also hold the tiebreaker over the Steelers. But they don't own the tiebreaker over the Dolphins. If the Patriots could win, they'll be 3-2 and two in the division. The Dolphins will be 2-3. and three. However, there will be no tiebreaker based off a of head-to-head because the series was split. So it'll go towards the division, which will favor the Patriots because they'll be 3-2 and two, and the Dolphins will be 2-3. and three. Okay, then it's going to come down to Week 18. I don't know if the Bills will have anything to play for in terms of having home field advantage throughout the AFC. Who knows? If they do have something to play for, then you're going to lose. <laughs> you're going to lose. If they have nothing to play for and they already locked up the number one seed, then they may still lose. <laughs> they may still lose. Oh, man. It's a tough road for the Patriots. You have to win the next two games. There's no way around it. It was nice that you beat the Cardinals. You should have beat the Raiders. You could have beat the Bengals to make your your road and your challenge just a little bit easier. But you couldn't do it. So we're looking here at the Patriots and Dolphins game. Week 17, typically the last week of the NFL season. However, with the 17th game and the 18th regular season week, we have an additional week to talk about, which we will talk about next weekend. Or I should say next week, excuse me. What? Where is this game going to go? <sighs> I have no idea. I have no idea. Without Tua, hopefully the Dolphins can slow down a little bit. Hopefully the Patriots offense can show up and actually play some decent ball. Wasn't impressed with the offense last week. You know, they scored 18 points. However, one of them was a pick six. I mean, I like the Patriots' chances here without Tua in a vacuum. But if we just break everything down, their wide receivers are better. Their tight end is better. Their offensive line is better. You probably have the edge at running back, although Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert's a good little tandem. But I think just Ramondi Stevenson's just overall better. But if you're going to look at if Harris is healthy, then your tandem is better, of course. But who knows? We'll have to wait and see on that. Defense, I want to say the Patriots' defense is better overall, but I just, the Dolphins have good linebackers. The Dolphins have a good secondary. The Dolphins' line's really good, too, but although the Patriots' offense, uh, defensive line, excuse me, has been exceptional the past few weeks. So, you know, you can call that a toss-up. I mean, this game does help that it's at home. It's in, you know, December. Well, I guess it'll be January. It'll be January at home. Dolphins are a southern team coming up here to the winter. I think Mike McDaniel will have the Dolphins ready. I mean, they beat us once earlier in the season. I think that they could easily beat us again. Patriots have everything to fight for. 
if the Patriots win, they make Week 18 insanely interesting. Insanely interesting. But if they lose, forget about it. So where is this going to go? Where will this game go? Will it be high scoring? Will it be low scoring? Well, with the, the play of the defenses in the last few weeks from both sides, I do strongly believe that it will be a defensive game. You know, I don't expect it to be 30 to 40 or whatever like that, especially without Tua playing. I do think it'll be a defensive heavy game. Probably both teams score less than 20 points each, I'm going to guess. I mean, again, you know, it's going to help that you have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle for Teddy Bridgewater to throw to, which I'm assuming he's going to be playing. I mean, I've said this time and time again, Mac Jones has no one to throw to. He has no time in the pocket. The offensive play call sucks. The defense for the Patriots has been good overall throughout the season. You know, I've picked apart the defense in episodes past about how they've given up too many points here and there. And, you know, I think statistically the Patriots defense is one of the better defenses in the league. I think if you look at, like, the the crazy analytics of it, I think they are. But I'm not, I'm not going to dive into that right now. So what am I looking for in this game? You know, you guys are probably asking, Murph, what are the three things you're looking for in this game? Well, number one, I want the defensive line or the front seven, you know, kind of call it all one or just the defense, to bring a lot of pressure to the quarterback. You know, without Tua, who can scramble pretty well, who can move in the pocket, who's been able, who's shown the ability to throw the ball very well this year. But without Tua, and I guess that I'm assuming Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the quarterback, I want to see the pressure get to that quarterback. Make them mess up. Now, Teddy Bridgewater is a very good backup. He's probably a good starter, too. He's very accurate with the ball. He makes good decisions. He doesn't make dumb plays. He's a game manager. He won't win you a game, but he's not going to lose you a game. So can you make a guy who's been in the league for a little bit, bounced around a few teams, who's pretty smart, can you make that smart quarterback mess up? You know, where Tua is still young and he's fragile, you know, he's prone to mistakes, as we saw against the Packers game last week. Can, you know, who you can easily have make some errors and make some mistakes in Tua, but can you have a guy like Teddy Bridgewater make those mistakes where he is smarter, where he takes care of the ball, where he's not going to lose the Dolphins the game? Can you get to him and create pressure and create havoc in the backfield, which the Patriots defense has been able to do? They've shown the ability to do that. However, Will they be able to do it against a smarter, not necessarily better quarterback, but a smarter quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater, again, if he is the starter? Number two, the offense needs to put points on the board. Last week, you scored 18 total points. Seven of them came from a pick six. You need to put points on the board if you're the offense. Again, the defense has been playing well. I do like what I see overall from this team. Statistically, statistically, again, they're a good defense. But I need the offense. If you have any shot at winning these next two games and playing in the playoffs, you need to have the ability to have your offense go out there and put up 20, 25, 30, 35 points. And they haven't shown that ability to do that yet. And I think the Dolphins are going to be one of the better defenses you play. Even if you were to hypothetically make it into the playoffs, obviously I'm not including the the Bills. Well, I am including the Bills. Like the Dolphins, the Bills have probably the better defenses in the AFC. Of course, the Chiefs have a meh defense. The Jags have a meh defense. 
Bengals. You know, you played them last week, and they were able to slow you down. They got a good team, but are we going to sit here and call the Bengals a top five defense, top ten defense? Statistically, I don't know, but I think in a vacuum from what I've said already, the Dolphins have a better defense than most in the AFC, especially from those that are playoff contenders. So I want the offense to be able to put some points on the board, move the ball up and down the field, put some points on the board, make their defense panic a little bit, make them have to take unnecessary chances that you can exploit, whether it's play action, deep balls, whether it's like, you know, some screens, which they're very known to do the Patriots. But if you can get the Dolphins to blitz, you can just dump the ball off on a screen and then you just got to beat the guys who didn't blitz and that shouldn't be that many. So I really think it's a good opportunity for the Patriots offense to get right because if they're not able to put, you know, 17 points, 20 points on, on the board, at least offensively, then then why do we think that we're going to have any shot at the playoffs? Because you know the Bills are going to put up in in their sleep 20 points. You know the Chiefs in their sleep will put up 20 points. Jaguars have been able to put up 20 points a lot lately. The Chargers easily can put up 20 points in their sleep. So if you can't offensively put up 20 points, then what are we doing? You need to be able to put points on the board, and that's why I want the Patriots' offense to be able to put up some points, not just you know through special teams with punt return touchdowns, not with their defense with pick sixes and fumble sixes, or Nick Folk kicking five field goals. I want the Patriots to go down, put up six points via a touchdown multiple times. And I think they can do that. And if they can't do that, then even if the Patriots do make the playoffs, don't expect much. Don't expect much. So number three, the number three thing that I'm looking for in the game is going to be the offensive coaching. I mean, I feel like this is a problem week in and week out is the offensive coaching for the Patriots. We're always, well, I'm not. People are always bagging Mac Jones. Mac Jones can't do this. Mac Jones can't do that. It's not all him. I'll say this, and I'll take this to my grave. Right now, at least, he is probably fourth on the blame pie. Bill Belichick has more blame. Matt Patricia has more blame. The offensive line has more blame. And I'd probably say even the receivers have more blame. So maybe Mac Jones is fifth on the blame the blame pie. Who knows? But I need the offensive play call to be better. I need the offensive line to play better. I need the receivers to play better. I need a lot of things. So I don't even know what number three should be. I wanted it to be offensive coaching. But the more and more I talk, the more and more I find wrong with this offense, and the more and more I need this offense to do for me this week. Patriots could go out there and win 3 nothing. Are we going to feel really good about going into Buffalo? No. Patriots could win 10-7. to Are we going to feel good about going into Buffalo? No. Um, sorry, my chair is squeaking. But we need the play call to look good. We need sustained drives. 10, 12, 14 play drives that end in six points. Seven, eight, nine-minute drives to really keep that Dolphins defense on the field. Show me something. Whether it's deep balls, play action, screen passes, drags, slants, I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is. I need the receivers to catch the ball. I need the offensive play call to be good. And I need the offensive line to hang in there for at least three seconds for Mac Jones to find any of his progressions, whether it's the first, second, third, fourth, or fifth progression. That is what I need from this team. And I think we could get it from this team. I really do. 
I really do think. Oh, I need to move my mic closer. I need to need to scooch in a little bit here. I really do think that the Patriots can do that. And again, the Dolphins are going to be a team that you may face in the playoffs. They have playoff aspirations, championship aspirations. And if you're not able to perform against a team like the Dolphins, who may, at the end of the day, may not make it into the playoffs, guys. They may not make it in. But they're still a legitimate team, a legitimate opponent that you're only going to find better teams in the playoffs outside of maybe the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Tennessee Titans. But if you can't do it against the Dolphins, anything, then you're not going to be able to do it against the Buffalo Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Cincinnati Bengals. Like, this Dolphins game is going to be a really good test, and it's going to really lay out the groundwork for Week 18 and how important that week may be for not only the Patriots, but just for the league in general as well. So those are the three things that I'm looking forward to is, of course, getting pressure to whoever the quarterback is, making them make mistakes in the absence of Tua, Number two is, of course, I need the offense to put up touchdowns and put up points. And number three, I don't even know what what I want to call it. Number three is a combination of better offensive line play, better offensive play calling, better better receiving. How about that? Call those three points into point three, right? But that is going to wrap it up for this episode, guys. I really appreciate you guys downloading, listening, and enjoying. Shorter episode today to wrap up the wrap up 2022. But we talked about everything I wanted to talk about. And I think at the end of the day, that is all that matters is making sure every point is discussed. But thank you guys so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying on all audio-only platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, uh, I'm sorry, Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, Google Podcast, anywhere you can listen to your podcasts, you can find Murph's Boston Sports Talk. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, thank you guys so much for clicking on the video. Thank you so much for hitting the like button. Comment down below and, of course, subscribe to the channel if you're new or haven't considered subscribing. I would greatly appreciate the love and support. You guys can reach me on social media at Murph's Cartown on Twitter, Instagram, and, of course, Facebook as well. But that is going to do it for today's episode, and that is going to do it for 20. 22 guys what a crazy year it has been and i cannot wait to see you guys in 2023 but between now and then you guys know that i love you and i will always always see ya Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.